The following program may contain coarse language, suggested dialogue, and discussion of violent imagery and sexual situations. It is intended for mature listeners who can tell the difference between facts and opinions. Hello and welcome to the Tanami Faithful Podcast. I am not Sketch, but I will be hosting today. This is editorial, or not editorial writer anymore, but editor-in-chief, CJ Maffers, hosting for Sketch today. And with me, I have... Hey folks, it's editorial writer, GTZ, And... Celia Rose, one of the social media managers for the Tanami Faithful social media pages. And that is it. Yes. Uh, before anyone asked, no, this was not a hostile takeover. I know people have joked about me hostile takeovers with Sketch before when I became editor in chief. Funny story. Sketch was like, no, make it as hostile as you want. I don't want the job anymore. So I took it. But no, uh, we are giving Sketch a little bit of a break. He has been working extra, extra hard on getting these podcasts out as timely as he can. And he desperately needed help. And considering that I was in editing hell for my documentary, I was not available. So thankfully, now that I am, I'm here to help out. And honestly, it is really good to get out of my cave to be able to be on podcast more with you guys. So uh, thank you both, V-Lord and Celia, for joining me on a very interesting topic, I think, for today. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you on a podcast again, CJ, because it's been quite a while. It has been a while. And, and speaking of that, the one I missed... The top 10 uh, Adult Swim tsunami shows, which all of you should definitely listen. That's been out. Uh, I have some grievances I need to throw at V-Lord, at least, for crap talking my number 10 and number 9 pick of Dimension W and Akami Got Kill. You know, I, I, I feel <laughs> like I was a little underrepresented. And even before the podcast, Celia was throwing shade at Dimension W. So now it's, it, is up <laughs> me. it is up to me to defend the shield that is Dimension W. But uh, at least, and I know Sketch at least gave kind of a broad sense of why I picked the shows that I did. But in essence, I picked the top 10 shows that I could not wait for to see on Toonami that I didn't see anywhere else, right? You know, I loved Hunter Hunter, but I saw that on Crunchyroll. I love My Hero Academia, but I kind of saw that ahead of time, which is, and same with Black Clover. So it wasn't necessarily as high up. And Dimension W is one of the first simul dubs that have now you know become a thing it's like a world premiere sense for the dub at least and so i was excited and that opening's a banger i don't care what anyone says it's a banger it's so good and seeing kioma dance like that mm, mm, i could eat that up all day so suck it v-lord and then suck it with the kami got kill and had the greatest premiere ever for a new show and it was the first sentai show like history has to mean something doesn't it even if the show isn't necessarily as great, just because I do really love the manga. But those are at least the two that I wanted to at least defend myself since now I can for that episode. See, so like when you gave like your justification, like in like the second part of the top 10, then it kind of made sense. That being said, <laughs> they still aren't good shows. <laughs> <laughs> you know... I think they're at least a little better than you're giving credit for. But are they, you know, masterpieces in the genre that is anime? No, of course not. Absolutely not. 
but boy, did I, I actually remember staying up being like, oh, sweet, Dimension W. I have no idea what the hell's going on anymore. But yeah, I'm excited to watch it. And then Akami got killed. Yeah, I want to see this. I really like it. I liked it. I liked it a ton. It was fun to review, too. So those were at least my kind of reasonings. And I know Celia is just smirking over in the background. It's like, yeah, fight, do it, make my life easier. But this I mean, is the one the one credit <laughs> I'll give a comic a kill at the very least is it did convince me to check out the manga. And I actually do kind of like the manga as a guilty pleasure of sorts. I do. I, I like the manga a ton, too. I, I, I found the ending like storylines actually really compelling for some reason anyway um but yes i just wanted to at least get that out there on a podcast episode to defend my honor now i'm good now i'm whole again everything's fine everything's dandy sketch we hope you're resting well and as you're listening to this you're probably like god damn don't let cj host another podcast episode <laughs> anyway 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 so basically the episode that we are doing for today is going to be talking about the recent dc movies that have once again influenced or not influenced but have joined the ranks of other dc movies which i have to say has been a very uh a very nice change of pace you know uh i know a lot of people have been clamoring uh for movies to return to toonami i mean you look at the sword out online movie that actually was probably important with the recent story arcs that are going on uh obviously demon slayer with the commercial success that the first film has made a lot of fans have been, you know, clamoring for this. So I thought it was very, very, very good for Toonami to at least kind of give, you know, wet that appetite a little bit for fans who have been clamoring for that. And just as I was super pumped to watch the Batman movies, which are really, really cool. I was so looking forward to checking out these uh, two Wonder Woman movies to, you know, kind of boast, boast what's going on with HBO Max and the recent film of Wonder Woman that came out. But... Sadly, because of my editing schedule and everything, it was on my television, but I was not paying attention whatsoever. Maybe if you type the lookups like, oh, yeah, it's still on. Then back to my editing and exporting, which took forever. And so thankfully, we have two wonderful victims. I mean, guests who <laughs> can easily kind of sell me why I should have probably put down the laptop and just left things alone for a little bit to, I don't know, maybe unwind and enjoy the night. And I guess I want to start with with Celia with the film that she was able to catch at the time. And which one was that? Was that the Bloodlines one? The Wonder Woman? Yeah. Movie? Yeah. The movie I watched was Wonder Woman Bloodlines. I actually missed it on the day it aired on Toonami also, but I watched it on HBO Max. Oh, really? OK, so that is really cool then, because that was the whole point of it, wasn't it? Like Exactly. It was, it was a tie in that. for that. Yeah. So uh, since you were able to catch it, uh, I'm curious uh, your point of view as to what made it really fun because me personally i really really enjoyed like dc animation like obviously batman the animated series superman the animated series batman beyond static shock and you know justice league i, I love that and of course the recent batman movies were really good especially with uh david mccollum being on uh, alfred for uh one of them who was a, a very famous actor for uh, ncis which i used to watch as a ton when i was younger so i i always love seeing these types of things uh kind of make their way onto nami so i'm curious as to what made you really really uh i don't know wanted to check this out as Toonami was kind of promoting it so when i had to pick between the two movies because I wanted to try to do both, but I started with Wonder Woman Bloodlines first, mostly because uh, I'm not a big comics buff. And so I wasn't certain if the Justice League movie would require me to have some like, uh, like 
um, what's the best way to put this? I guess further context from other DC properties in order to like fully understand some of the pieces in it. But at the very least, Wonder Woman Bloodline sounded like it was the standalone story. So I decided to start with that one first because that one, I already kind of know the basic like backstory to Diana Prince and how she became Wonder Woman. And that's really what this movie uh, tries to accomplish is creating a sort of origin story and then building up into another story with uh, her taking on the, oh, what's it, Dr. Poison and Dr. Cyber mm-hmm. in the film. Um, I unfortunately don't have very many positive things to say about this oh, movie. Oh, no, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> um, I will start with the positive, though, because the positive part of it that really stood out to me is that the fight scenes in this movie were beautifully animated. Like the choreography was good. The cinematography was really good. Like really the different angles that you had, it felt super dynamic, super fluid animation. Like there wasn't a point during the actual action scenes when Wonder Woman is fighting someone or some monster where I felt like I was being taken out of the story. It looked good. Fully sound design was great. I was like, okay, cool. I like this. All the parts that weren't fighting scenes, though, were just <laughs> not my thing, I guess. Um, why Why was that? I'm curious. Because, I mean, obviously, when it comes to fighting, like, y- you just assume Toonami's going to be able to find the right type of show when it comes to action. Obviously, you know, you can might, you know, you can... You can nitpick with series like Pop Team Epic and Food Wars, for example, since they're like action isn't necessarily a tradition to what an action show is. So you obviously would assume Toonami's able to find that really, you know, swimmingly when it comes to what they want for their content. So why was it that you think the other stuff didn't quite mesh? So there were some things that stood out to me that were pretty glaring issues with it. Um, one of the first ones, and it's actually one of the things I can't stand about um, some american animation is that the lip flaps move way too fast and it's so fast that you can actually see it skip frames sometimes because they're really trying to match it as closely to the dialogue as they can and so there are some points where characters are talking and the lips are just going bop, 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 and it's like what is happening here and it looks sloppy and I can't stand it. It's a personal nitpick, and it's probably not something that many people like notice or really care <laughs> to pay attention to. Right. And it doesn't distract them. But for me, it does. It's a huge distractor, so and I can't stand it. It wasn't necessarily... So this is obviously more of a technical standpoint, but I meant... Yeah. Like, what about content-wise? Was the other stuff like just either boring, dull? It didn't quite capture you with uh, what was on the screen? I think the story was okay. I definitely like that they went more with the mythological side of things when they're incorporating different elements about Thermosera and about the story. Um, Cause you eventually, uh, I don't know if we're going to the spoilers just yet for this. Are we? Uh, I think we can. I think that's fair. Okay. Well, eventually like, I, she ended up. Think, oh, think of it this way. Yeah. Like you're trying to sell me and like not only right. that, but viewers in a sense. So by all means, I don't mind. Like I personally do not care for spoilers. I will say this. If you do and you're listening, feel free to fast forward now. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the end of the film, she ends up finding a monster that is called Medusa and really calls back to Medusa from Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. So I do like that incorporation with the mythological aspects in with the story. Um, I think that's a really nice touch. And I really like mythology and folklore to begin with. But there were just some parts where the movie felt like it was moving really slowly. Like it was taking us a long time to get to certain plot points. Um, and it was a little bit meandery, mm-hmm. especially with the uh, whole plot with the daughter of Vanessa and how she ends up getting involved with the bad guys um, and really 
where Diana has to come in and, and rescue her. And then Rosario Dawson just didn't do it for me. <laughs> and I know it's not, it's probably not fair to be critical of people who don't do voice acting very often, but really one of the things that bothered me in this movie is even though the script was fine, like the actual dialogue was okay. Um, Rosario Dawson sounded like she was just reading. There was hardly okay. any change in inflection in her voice. And there just wasn't a lot of like emotionality. And especially when she's in scenes with like with Jeffrey Donovan, who really got like that suave, sarcastic yeah. tone for Steve he, uh, Trevor. Like he really got that down and she's not doing anything. It's especially apparent. I don't know if you if you at least know this, but Jeffrey Donovan was the star actor of that uh, USA series Burn Notice. So again, it's stuff like this that I really that's why I always like seeing animation when it comes to uh, like actors and actresses who aren't normally obviously in, you know, dubbing. And so being able to like hear them do these types of performances is always a nice callback for someone like me who used to watch all these like stupid, you know, live action series that are just like, you know, daytime television type of thing. Uh, V-Lord. Uh, I know you saw both. I'm curious on just at least your first impressions and kind of takes uh, after obviously hearing, you know, Celia and her, her point of view on this on bloodlines as well. Yeah. So uh, I kind of agree with like a fair bit of it. it <laughs> the movie definitely kind of meanders at points. Um, that said, I think overall, I probably enjoyed it probably a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I do kind of like a lot of the character moments with uh, Diana in the film, just kind of like uh, with her relationship with uh, kind of like her home of Tamascara and then like her trying to like actually like rebond with like Vanessa. Okay. Cause like it's, it's essentially like after Diana left like Tamascara, like she basically found a second home with like Vanessa and her family. Mm-hmm. And, like, the whole thing is, like, oh, Vanessa becomes, like, a... Essentially the antagonist of the film, and, like, Diana has to, like, try to save her in a way. That being said, I don't think, like, it's handled as well as it could be. And it's definitely one of those things where I feel a lot of uh, the DC animated films nowadays are kind of just, like, oh, go look at these characters that you know from the comics fighting each other. Doesn't it look cool? what's character development what's plot we don't need those <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute i thought only anime had that issue v you're telling me i have to be disappointed <laughs> again in another thing yes oh yes man. you do so at least just from what you guys are telling me and again i i didn't see this i was obviously busy you know doing doing the thing uh it sounds like this was actually something that tsunami might have wanted to say kind of thanks but no thanks i mean considering that the whole point was to promote uh, Wonder Woman 1984. It made sense to show this film because it's like, I think one of two major Wonder Woman animated films. Mm -hmm. So like, you might as well air one of them because like the other film they aired, uh, Justice League The New Frontier, really has very little to do with Wonder Woman. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Which is strange because they could have just aired the animated film that's literally called Wonder Woman instead. It's, but maybe they couldn't get it or something. Well, it's just like, it seems so like disheartening for me because like I said, like, and this was even whether it be on this podcast or off this podcast, I liked the superhero stuff, you know, like 
I obviously not DC, but like, you know, I enjoyed, you know, Iron Man, Spider-Man, X-Men, all that stuff. And I thought DC really did a, a phenomenal job with animated films of their properties, you know, while Marvel was obviously, you know, raking in the big bucks from studio from Marvel Studios and, you know, the live action movies that have been, you know, gangbusters ever since Iron Man. I thought DC kind of found a really nice, not necessarily niche, but a nice little kind of area that I thought they outperformed Marvel. And so hearing this is kind of saddening, honestly, just especially considering how Wonder Woman is one of my one of my favorites. I, I really enjoy watching her stories and things like that. I, I think it's a really fun, you know, hero to pay attention to, I guess, you know. Yeah. Right. I mean- and especially when it's as classic as her, because like Wonder Woman is really a hero that people can connect with across generations like when i started getting into like deep into pop culture stuff and really starting to kind of experiment with comics when i was younger my mom was like oh yeah i remember wonder woman like the show i think there was a show that aired in like the 70s that was a live action show about wonder woman so it wasn't so you know so my mom was like oh i remember that and then for me to have that connection you know oh my mom experiences too and now we've got you know a whole younger generation that are younger than us that probably have parents you know close to our age (laughs) that you know they're like oh yeah my parents were into this and so i'm gonna check it out so that's one thing that i think is really special about her and it's kind of unfortunate that this film just missed some of its big points with its plot and how it would handle the story yeah, on the bright side, it's still a better film than Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, oh boy, that's a mess. <laughs> I, I haven't seen that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't seen it necessarily either. plan to. But I think, like, like I said, it's just, it's just kind of saddening because I've always thought that DC has done a really good job with animated films. I know V Lord, you're more of a buff on this than I am, but it's like usually I'm expecting to hear like rave reviews for a DC animated film. I don't know if I'm like crazy thinking that, but that's just what i see that's at least my kind of worldview of the properties animated form for dc no i mean i think that's pretty on the money like most of the recent uh dc animated films are pretty good like i really like the uh death of superman reign of the superman uh kind of two-part film because like that's a really fun like kind of uh homage to like superman and then introducing a lot of kind of more classic versions of characters like Superboy. So I I think those ones are really good. And even Bloodlines, I don't think it's necessarily a bad film. It's just a very average film. Like, I don't think you're going to go into it expecting it to be amazing. Or at least you shouldn't go into it expecting it to be amazing. Uh, Mm -hmm. I see. I would agree. So, well, I mean, it's just... It's kind of one of those things where I'm like, man, that's depressing. And especially because you'll have Toonami fans, or at least some Toonami fans, like, this is an anime, why watch it? And then they got something where they kind of have at least more of a say in that argument than before. And I just, I really dislike that. Only because, not necessarily because, you know, Toonami's always been action, you know, whether, or action cartoons, whether it be from Japan or the US. I just... I don't like to just pigeonhole myself personally on like things like sure anime might be something that I enjoy watching more, but what's what's wrong with venturing off into something else? Like, do we really need to see another episode of Dragon Ball Super? Like what's wrong? What's wrong with like wanting to see something different, especially on a block that we all tend to really enjoy, especially, you know, the community and camaraderie aspect of, that comes with watching Toonami, at least now. Well, and to be fair, 
how many average titles have aired on Toonami since 2012, at least? Like, it's one thing if you're like, oh, this isn't anime, and because it's bad, it's not good. It's like, well, there's been a lot of just mediocre anime out there, too. So some would argue that my list is full of them, (laughs) as we were just saying. (laughs) Way to bring that full circle. (laughs) That's a fact. Oh, man, I hate everything right now. (laughs) Nothing but pain. Yeah, like I'm happy that Tanami aired these because like it's good to get some form of American action shows on the block at this point. It probably would be better to get like Young Justice or something like uh, Paul really wants, but that would That's be probably cool, not yeah. an option. No, probably not. But I do agree that would be really cool. But no, it's just I'm almost wondering is if it would have been intr- like it just stinks that Toonami was at the beck and call of HBO Max to promote this as well as the film when both just doesn't quite hit, you know, like imagine for like bear with me here. Imagine like all of a sudden, uh, you know, Marvel Avengers is coming out and they're like, yo, let's get like something on Adult Swim, Toonami, whatever to like help promote it you would want it to be like something good, you know, like you don't want it to be like something that might make people be like lukewarm. So just the fact that it kind of went that way, I'm just like, Oh man. Yeah. Well, and, and the way the... that this went, Oh, go ahead. Be Lord. No, go ahead. Well, and the way that this went too, cause initially the wonder woman marathon one is announced at the last minute for tsunami. Yeah, that's true. So because it was so last minute, it makes me wonder if basically they were given this option, like here, you have three movies to pick from and you can pick two. You know, like, I don't know what their choices were, but that may have been what it came down to is we'd like to do this. These are your only options. And you got to make do with what you have. Honestly, I could probably see that being the case. It's true, too. And it stinks because like for Toonami, it was during the holidays where they normally like try to find alternate ways to keep content on the air. So it's just kind of it's almost like hand over a barrel. And it's just like, yeah, you kind of have to make a choice here. And like, I don't begrudge them. It's just, I was like thinking, oh man, like, and this is before the podcast, but like, oh man, I can't wait for the, to hear all these nice things about uh, Bloodlines and then get to see Wonder <laughs> Woman again. And then basically it's like, well, you see about that, you know, you can, but you know, we, we know that you like Dimension W, so you might just have the same reaction with that. So <laughs> I'm not letting- So thinking about it this way though, it does make me wonder if, the choice to show Justice League the New Frontier was to show like a better DC movie. <laughs> well, uh, we can get into that now. I, I know uh, you at least were able to catch up on that. I think uh, I think when it comes to like DC stuff, I just it always feels like there's something good at at the ready for Toonami or really anywhere to pick. So I think that'll be interesting. So as we were talking about earlier, just at least about how. You were pre- at least V Lord was saying how pretty much Toonami was like, well, if we're gonna get this animated film, which isn't so great, maybe we could get another one that's just a little bit better, which was uh, Justice League New Frontier. And so V Lord, I take it it's better than Bloodlines. And so is it like really good? Is it just good? Is it just oh, it looks better by comparison? Like w- what's going on here? Hmm. So I'd probably put in kind of the in between of good and really good okay like i guess like essentially what justice league the new frontier is is a origin story for the justice league itself so it doesn't require a lot of background it's kind of a pretty easy entry point and uh kind of interesting thing about it it's like 
this actually aired like on Cartoon Network back in like 2008. So like <laughs> a little bit after I guess Tanami went off the air. In fact, I even remember watching it when I was a kid on <laughs> Cartoon Network. So it was kind oh, of how funny. Yeah, it was kind of a little uh, throwback to watch it uh, again. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised how well it holds up. Cause, how like, old is it? Like the it's film from itself. 2008. No, no, no. So it did like, was it made that year or did it just debut that year? It was released in February 2008 and then it aired on Cartoon Network in October. Wow. Okay, cool. And yeah, like it's actually pretty dang good because, like, uh, it's based off a uh, limited series comic called DC The New Frontier. And the whole thing with that comic was that it essentially was made to be a kind of a bridge gap, I guess, a bridge of sorts to explain what happened between uh, the golden age of DC Comics and the Silver Age of DC Comics. Uh, I guess for people who don't know, DC Comics has this thing like where it's ages where there are different incarnations of the superheroes. And it gets really convoluted and weird with all these multiple universes. So it's like JoJo. Uh, yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> At least when you DC, get to part seven. The DC multiverse is like JoJo on like steroids. <laughs> Do they have stands? Is that a reference to board? I mean, they probably have something close to stands. I, I don't know. DC's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so this though assumes that like those different ages of DC are just all one singular timeline. And this like uh, film and that comic tried to explain, hey, this is what happens in between these two parts. So like it goes through like origin stories for like characters that were like created during the Silver Age. Um, particularly like uh, Green Lanterns. We see Hal Jordan's uh, kind of origin, how he got the ring. Uh, then uh, John Jones, Martian Manhunter, how he came to Earth and became the Manhunter. Um, so it, it's really kind of cool to see all those little things and like kind of get like more acclimated to like these heroes. Because I think like a lot of DC shows, like they just kind of like throw you into it. They're just like, hey, here's Green Lantern. Here's Martian Manhunter. We're not going to really give you a thorough backstory for them, but just go watch them do cool things. So is this like an anthology piece then? No. So it's like all one singular kind of story. And okay. it's all, it's like it, each character starts in kind of a different area, but it all is converging on them having to fight this thing called the center which is like this really kind of vague monster type thing. Um, but essentially like you go through like having like, say like Batman interacting with like Ma- Martian Manhunter. And then like the film tries to explain like, okay, this broody version of Batman from the golden age, this is how he becomes the campy version of Batman from the silver age. <laughs> I like the brooding more. <laughs> It's really funny too, because like how they explain off, like, because randomly in the film, Batman just suddenly changes his costumes. And it's because a kid like uh, screams because he's scared of Batman's old, grittier costume when he's trying to save him. Mm. So he's like, Aww. I didn't want to scare kids. So I changed <laughs> costumes. Dang. 
So you mentioned obviously Batman, Martian Manhunter, and Green uh, Lantern. Who who else is in it? Obviously Wonder Woman, but like who who's all in it? Give me give me the players. So we have the Flash, who is like a vigilante right now. Wonder Woman, who has kind of went back to to mascara because I think she was just like sick of men. <laughs> and then... I can relate to that. <laughs> I think many people can relate to that. And then Superman's just being Superman and working for the government for some reason. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> I guess he's got to make money somehow. I, I, I mean, I, I, I guess. I mean, when you're stopping bank robberies, you can't just all of a sudden be like, hey, give me some money for doing that. So I you see saved your you... city. Now pay up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So like you have kind of those core members and like, there's also like the air force and the military get involved. They all kind of just like group together and like to fight this monster by the end. Oh, it sounds like a party. But, yeah. It's like, it's a weirdly patriotic film for some reason, but that's kind of a very much a silver age comic thing where it's just like, yeah, we're going to be campy with all this stuff. So I, I guess like, I like from a nostalgia perspective, it's interesting. I don't know if I'd like this actually. I don't like. I don't know about you, but like, uh, I'll think of it this way. One of my favorite DC animated projects was Batman Beyond. That is not very campy, now is it, V Lord? It's not. But you no. know what my favorite Batman series is? What? Batman: The Brave and the Bold. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Okay, so that this would be up your alley then. I get. Yeah, because that that is heavily Silver Age yeah. uh, DC inspired. I don't know. Like, I guess. I mean, I feel like I'm part of the problem because where you have like so many fans are like, oh, I want my superheroes to be, you know, moody, angry, things like that. I don't want them to just be moody for the sake of being moody, but I like the grit. I like the whole, I don't know, like there's something to be said when you have like Joker versus Batman, when Joker does all these horrible things simply just to push Batman's buttons. And then like Batman has to really like hold himself back before he wants to actually like nearly kill this person. And it's just kind of those things where it's just like, I like that internal struggle more so than just, you know, what Adam West did when he was Batman. You know what I mean? Not to say it's bad. It's just, I, I, I have to be in a specific mood for those kind of camp when it comes to the more serious stuff. I don't have to think, oh, I have to be in a mood. It's more like, oh, this is going to be good. I, I, I want to like just feel so much angst and anxiety inside me watching this kind of thing. <laughs> Oh my gosh. See, like, I'm the opposite with that, though, because, like, I love Adam West Batman because of how, like, cheesy it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess Celia can be kind of a tiebreaker in that, but at least, like, from what you're explaining, I'm kind of just, like, I mean, yeah, the funny stuff is, you know, nice and all, but I like that more as, like, a little bit, like, something extra more so than the overall theme of things, for me. And that's just, you know, that's just my thing with it, but Celia, at least, from what V-Lord's at least describing, what, what do you say? I'm feeling like I picked the wrong movie to watch first. <laughs> oh, I see. So, and, while, and while, so like while Wheeler was describing it, I think I figured out why a, the Wonder Woman Bloodlines movie just didn't really hit right, you know, versus the way he's describing the Justice League movie is that Wonder Woman, I think, was trying really hard to be serious, but also being like, look at this story of this great hero, you know, Diana Prince, who, you know, pushes herself to her physical limits to try to save Vanessa you know who's basically turned into her enemy but she knows she's a good person inside 
but it's not like quite gritty enough to be like, this is a dark, gritty movie, you know? And the reality is too, is that, you know, sometimes heroes don't need to be gritty. And that's one of the things that we like about them is that heroes can be uplifting or they can just be fun. Like when you think about hero movies, um, like Shazam and that kind of thing, where they're just really silly because there's a lot of things about superheroes that just don't make sense or don't work in real life. And you have to have this suspension of disbelief. So at the very least, if it's going to be something that makes you laugh or smile, I think that's more entertaining than something that will make you sad. Don't don't mind me. Me and Mira are just sitting here as I'm just getting beat up one after another <laughs> on this. No, so I, to be I, fair, CJ, I think there are parts of this film you would like. Like mm-hmm. there's a whole like kind of plot line at the beginning where uh, Martian Manhunter is trying to get adjusted to like being around humans and understanding humanity where like he'll be alone at night, like studying television to try to like mimic human mannerisms and kind of human emotions. Yeah, it's like Migi. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of Miki. <laughs> so there are little things like that where, like, yeah, there are there are still character little character development moments here and there, but like it's very clear by the end of the film that you're not supposed to take it like a hundred percent serious, right? And I, I do, and like more for towards Celia's point, I do agree that I don't want just heroes to be like edgy. You know, I don't need like a whole movie about like 16 different Wolverines, for example, you know, who kind of popularize the anti-hero type of look, or I don't need, you know, 40 punishers in a thing. Like I get that. Like I love when you have uh, like someone brooding like Wolverine paired up with Deadpool. Like I, I love that. I love that stark contrast especially considering where something might be really bad, like something bad's really happening. Then you have Deadpool just like, oh, hey, I just dropped uh, dropped a banana peel and I slipped on. You know what I mean? Like, I like that. I, I do. I just think for like for me, the big sell is like I always find uh, like internal struggle and conflict to be like the most interesting storylines. And I think a great example of that is like Ray Zero, because boy, does that show take me on a trip on feelings i don't really care to have happen but the internal struggles that subaru faces is just so compelling it just it grabs a hold of me like nothing it's like it's like a loan shark just beating me down for the money that i owe it's just i can't get away it's so freaking good CJ, you're it. just trying to steal my heart right now because i i love rezero it's like oh i know oh i know going things it's just so for for me and it's not necessarily like what the overall thing with Ray Zero, but the kind of struggles that Subaru goes through is the type of stories I find compelling. That's why I really like Batman stories, not necessarily to see his parents die again and again and again and again and again, because that's just, you know, repetitive and boring. But, you know, the, the battles that he has with like Joker, for example, I just find that so fun because it's like, it's basically, and to put it in Marvel sense, it's like Deadpool versus Wolverine. Only Deadpool is much more maniacal and evil, obviously, even though, some would argue he's not necessarily a great person anyway. Uh, and then you have, you know, Batman who's like, I will never kill. And then he's literally getting his buttons pressed. I, I, I love that immovable force meets unstoppable object kind of conflict. So yeah, I, I mean, I, that I, makes I, sense. I think yeah. for me, though, it's, it's really a thing of like, say, in the case of like DC, I feel those type of stories have been done so many times yeah. at this point mm-hmm. that I'm just kind of tired of them. Yep. And I guess to use like the Wolverine and Deadpool example, like one of my favorite uh, superhero films is Logan. 
But another one of my favorite superhero films is Deadpool. Because they're <laughs> both effective in doing what they set out to do. Yeah. And like Logan is a very great piece on seeing Wolverine struggle against like unstoppable odds. But Deadpool is kind of like the opposite of that, where it's just kind of like having fun with this concept of absurd superheroes with absurd powers. So like I think I think it's really kind of a situational thing no like, I, I, i've reached a point with like batman and characters like that where I, I don't really want that anymore right no and i i admit i'm part of the problem on that because i i i just i slurp that up i do i can't get enough of it so i am part of the problem with that because i do think if you skew toward one way too much which i do think they they have and i don't mean just dc i mean like just superheroes in general uh i think it kind of devalues how impactful it is to see those moments so I'm not saying I just want to all of a sudden get the pendulum swing the other way completely and everything's just, oh, happy-go-lucky, can't be fun stuff. But I definitely I definitely will admit that my preferences are not in, are not probably in the best interest for DC. I'll, I'll be the first to say that right off the bat. <laughs> well, and really there's so many times you can pit trauma against trauma yeah. and be like, look at these two people suffering and one of them's going to win. Which one is it going to be? <laughs> you know, and that's, and that's really I, the direction I see a lot of superhero stories taking is because they're like, oh, this person experienced this thing and it made them who they are. And this person experienced this thing and it made them who they are. And they're both really messed up in two different ways, but they have to fight each other and one of them's going to come out on top. Um, but I do think it's possible to have that exist within superhero movies. I mean, already it sounds like you know, Justice League New Frontier is kind of that happy medium where it is a bit more on the campy side while still having those moments that are a bit more serious to balance it out. So it's not too like happy, um, you know, and it can exist within an entire franchise. Like a great example is um, a Fate, the Fate franchise released a new Carnival Phantasm series for the first time in years, which is incredibly goofy. It's just a bunch of shorts that are like slapstick or references to character things. And it's all haha. And it came out only a year after the last Fate film, which is apparently like the most heart-wrenching route in the original, oh, original novel. Is that, yeah, oh, Heaven's that, Feel? Oh, yeah, Heaven's Feel. Oh my god, those are so good. Heaven's yeah. Feel 3 is brutal. Oh, I saw it earlier. I've this. heard it's really, really heart-wrenching and I can't sad wait to see that dubbed. and terrible to oh, watch. My god. I, have, I have the first but two the parts are at beautiful. home. <laughs> the first two parts are home and I'm like still on the edge of my... I haven't seen the third one. I need to see it, V-Lord. I need to see it. it it's so good. Oh, but yeah, oh. Fate, Fate is a really good example of that where, yeah, it's like... It's a story that kind of started out serious, like aside from the ridiculous hentai scenes that we don't have to talk about. I'm but... just, I'm still just like I can't believe that was in it too. I'm sorry, you could you could move on, but I was like what? thrown. I was th I was just how Celia is right now when I first heard about this. No, I knew they were there. Why were you surprised they were there? Because I didn't know the backstory. Visual novels are pretty notorious for oh, having lewd and, right. and sex scenes in them. That's that was, what I was like, what do you mean you're surprised? <laughs> Fate was the first experience <laughs> to visual novel genre stuff. Oh, yeah, I see. I, okay. I, I didn't know that part of it until obviously I became more aware. But yeah, no, I had no idea Fate was the first for me with that. And I was like, excuse me? And my brother's like laughing, like cackling like a hyena, just like, oh, you poor little child. You had no idea. Oh, that's so funny. Because <laughs> I, I had heard no about idea. it before I got into visual novels that they were pretty notorious for that kind of content. And that's part of why they were so popular. So <laughs> I knew no, what I was getting into. <laughs> no, I had no idea. And so oh, I'm just you like, poor well, thing. well, then, hey, Doki Doki Literature Club is still the best visual novel of all time, so... 
I, I wouldn't say best, but it's good. No, it's the best. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, but, uh, yeah, anyways, what I was saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Fate, despite like its origins, like it has gotten to a point where like it embraces kind of the goofiness too. Like you see all those memes about uh, Shiro saying things like people die when they are killed. And just because you are right does not mean you're correct. Oh my god, yeah, those ones. <laughs> and then, yeah, you have, like, uh, uh, Today's Menu for the Amia family, which is amazing, and then Carnival Phantasm. Oh, so, yeah, I like yeah. franchises that can, like, be multifaceted like that. I forgot about that. Was that the cooking one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really I, wanted, I wanted to watch that, actually. and That's on my list. I, I actually do. So, you see, I'm not all just about the Heaven's Feel films. I, I can like other fun properties, too. Oh man, it would be hard if you were only about the movies, man. Like that's just that would be really difficult to bear if that was all you were consuming of the Fate franchise. Well, to be fair, Celia, I didn't even know that it was a visual novel that went that way. So I don't even know what I would have done if I was just only with the films of it. I probably would think that Fate's the greatest thing ever and would tell everyone to check it out. And then they'd probably find that and wonder if I'm a creep. So I'm probably going to make a lot of Type Moon fans mad, but that's how a lot of Type Moon fans are. Is they see the anime and they see the films and they're like, this is the best thing of all time. They're good, but arguably they're probably not the best thing of all time, but they are very good. Yeah, I do. Hey, you know, as long as the studio keeps evading taxes to give us good anime animation, I am a okay with that. But oh hell yeah, not be evading taxes anymore. <laughs> oh wait, they're not. Oh, especially with after how much money Demon Slayer is making, I hope not. Oh, good point. Good point. Well, and, they gotta and pay back all those back taxes. But V Lord, think if they keep avoiding them now, they can use that money to make more Demon Slayer. <laughs> they already have enough money oh. to make more demon slayer well if that's the case then could you send that my way please like thank you i love demon slayer and I'll call you... up my contacts <laughs> and if you love Netflix. demon slayer make sure you check out the demon slayer podcast one of our sister podcasts that v lord is the host of that i always enjoy getting a chance to listen to every now and then um i do want to kind of wrap this up with like kind of like one question for you both for the both of you to answer and it's just are you at least glad that Toonami did this? And I'm not even just saying uh, strictly these most recent movies with Bloodlines and the Justice League one, but just in general, you know, we had the Batmans earlier, uh, obviously these two films, and it's kind of like, are films making a comeback to Toonami? Like, is that, could that be a thing? And I know it might be a little different for like anime films, but I'm curious if you both are at least happy that we got a chance to have something different besides anime. My answer is yes. I am always down for something new. I'm not the biggest person to see films on television only because they're not made to have like commercial breaks in between. So they might have awkward cuts. And that's just a personal, like that's not indicative of like, oh my God, they need to do it this way or that way. It's just, that's not my way of like wanting to watch a film, but I'm at least happy that Toonami is grabbing these types of things, especially considering it's not anime. I like the fact that it hasn't been that and it's been American action stuff. So I'm curious if you guys are at least, you know, that you guys feel like cool with Toonami being able to do this kind of stuff, you know, V Lord, how your thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that Toonami was able to do this. Cause I think variety and movies on the block are always kind of a nice thing. That being said, I don't think we should expect more movies on a regular basis. I think this is kind of just a special occasion thing. 
if say HBO Max wants to promote its service more on the block, maybe we'll see this again. But outside of that, I don't think we're going to suddenly see like a bunch of movies show up on the block. I heck, I don't even think we're going to get the Demon Slayer movie. Be Lord, I'm writing to Toonami now to get Heaven's Feel. You wait, just you wait. I would be so happy if we could get Heaven's <laughs> Feel, but I highly <laughs> doubt that'll ever happen. Yeah, same. But I at least have them. So we can watch them together, Velor. Come over to my place after COVID. Oh, yes. Fate and chill. The the best of times. Very. Especially depressing fate. So we'll get to cry. Uh, and Celia, what what at least do you feel when it comes to Toonami kind of venturing to bring in these types of films? Like, do you want to see it more? Do you hope to see it more? Do you think it's a good thing to even, like, have Toonami do this? Yada, yada. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, as And, like part of my job managing the social media pages is, is watching Toonami every week and live tweeting on the accounts. So it's nice to get something a little bit different because after a while, like even if a show is good, things just kind of start to get stale where it more becomes about the routine of watching it, not necessarily like watching it because you actually enjoy the content of what you're watching it. After a while it can become, this is just what I do on a Saturday night after midnight is I watch these shows and then I go to bed. But when you break it up with a special movie event like this, then it's like, oh, this is something a little different. Not everyone was happy about it. A lot of the stuff I was seeing on our social media, especially on our Twitter, is people were not happy about the movie marathons initially. Um, Once the movies were actually airing, then we got some more positive feedback and people being like, oh, this is a good movie. I like this one. Or I'm enjoying watching this. This is the first time I'm seeing it. So even if the people watching Toonami don't necessarily think this is something they want, in the end, it turns out to be something that they enjoyed after all. So I don't think it's a bad idea to have more movies. It would be nice to have some more. But like V-Lord said, I don't think we're going to get a ton more after this. You heard it here first from Celia. Weebs out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know that Twitch jargon, but that's a Twitch thing. That's all. Oh, I love it. It's one of my favorite things because, like, I obviously love anime. I'm considered a weeb to a lot of Twitch streamers. So when they say that, I'm like, hey, you know what? You're right. We, we're out. We got to leave. We got to get on out of here. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just, like I said, I, I generally prefer, I just, not to sound like Paul, but I do actually enjoy American action. I wish that more, you know, studios and companies saw value in that other than just putting it on Netflix. Like, how cool would it have been if, you know, Castlevania was able to be on Toonami, right? And, and I'm just mm-hmm. using that as an example. Like, I love, you know, different animation styles, whether they be inspired by anime or not, you know? So I'm always a fan. I really do wish I was able to watch this, but I was busy making moves, doing the plays, doing all the things. So uh, I I will be able to obviously start catching up on my Toonami viewings because now I have a lot more free time. Not a lot, but, you know, it feels like a lot more just because I'm not editing like 10 hours a day, which I'm I wish I was kidding, but I'm not. Um, but yeah. And of course, as, as Celia was saying, when it comes to like the mundane, are you are you trying to tell me that you're bored of Dragon Ball Super? I, I don't oh know. Celia. Oh, well, OK, that answers that. <laughs> hey, do you we- know how long they stretched out the 42 hours to prepare for the tournament of power? I think when I started live tweeting Dragon Ball Super, they had decided to do the tournament of power and the tournament of power starts this Saturday, or at the very <laughs> least, I don't know if, when this is coming out, but it starts on January 9th. It's well, been weeks, months. 
and oh. only 42 hours have passed in the show. Well, I'm ready for it to pick up the pace. <laughs> and if oh you think God. that's bad, try the Chimera Ant arc with how much time passes in those little episodes. Then <laughs> it's a great story. I find it to be wonderful storytelling, but literally they spend like what felt like 40 episodes for like two minutes. To be fair, CJ, I think the stuff that happens like in Chimera Ant is way more interesting than what happens in the Torment of Power. Wait a minute, but it has Goku. Yeah, but like it's just (laughs) him punching people. Oh, well. Yeah, and like, don't get me wrong. I like tournament arcs. Like the Yu Yu Hakusho tournament, fantastic. I really like that. Now, if you like that, did you like at least the Flame of Rekka one then? Because those were obviously pitted against each other at the time. I don't think I watched Flame of Rekka. Oh, kids these days. I'm an old man, I guess, everyone. No. I'm an old I watched. Man. Okay, so I watched Yu Yu Hakusho by recording it on VHS when it was airing at like five in the morning on Cartoon Network. Okay. I did not catch it during the Toonami run. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of people who don't even know what VHSs are. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do. I still work. <laughs> oh, God. So... But uh, at least if you are bored of Dragon Ball Super's Tournament of Power arc, we are getting two new shows coming up later, starting on January 9th. Mm. January 9th. We're recording on the 7th right now. We're getting the final season of Attack on Titan dubbed. And then the following week, we're going to be getting Gridman, which is really I'm so excited. I love Gridman. Uh, Obviously, Attack on Titan is really fun. I know V-Lord is a big fan. I think V-Lord's a big fan of Gridman, if I'm right. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Gridman. I was there at the... uh... That's and right. The expo premiere of that. That's like right. In 2018. We were there. I wasn't with you, but I got in there. That's right. I remember this. And I was mad because you and uh, your sibling, Sid, were not with me. I was very sad. I remember this conversation vividly. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> I was so sad because I'm just like, wait, V-Lord, you were there? Yeah. Well, shoot. Why did you tell me? Like, wait, you were there? Like, yes. To be fair, that's Anime Expo in a nutshell. Yeah. You're in the same room, but you don't know where anyone is. No, you never Yep. Know. You never know, but uh, but at least we'll have something to look forward to. So I think we did a pretty adequate job with uh, explaining, or not at least explaining, but talking about the uh, two movies that aired, you know, this past uh, holiday season. Uh, I don't, I don't care what V Lord or Celia said. I'm gonna watch them. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. <laughs> they, they, I'm gonna watch them. I'm gonna see what they're like. Uh, Please don't ask me if I see, see them because the more you ask, the more I'm going to say, you know what? I changed my mind. So well, I'll see them when I'll see them. But um, uh, I am really glad that I was at least able to find a couple people to talk about this just because, again, since I missed it and since no one else, you know, the other typical hosts weren't able to catch it or taking a break, I'm really glad that I could find some wonderful guests to be able to, you know, help out with that. So, all right. Yeah, if you missed them on Tanami, like they're both on HBO Max. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cross promotion. That was the whole point of it. I feel like, right? (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, they were promoting Wonder Woman, but like they just pulled stuff from HBO Max. (sighs) The good old HBO Max. I have to. I'll ask both of you. I don't know. Do both of you have it? Yes. Yeah. How do you guys feel? I don't. I'm curious. How do you guys feel about it? Just to kind of quickly sneak that in, you know, before we uh, wrap up the podcast. I like it like my family already subscribed to hbo go prior to hbo max and but like we're also the type of family that will subscribe for literally one show like for us it was game of thrones and then the movies that you got through hbo were just kind of a bonus um 
And then we got HBO Max actually for Lovecraft Country, which is fantastic, by the way. Amazing show. Um, so it's nice having access to the movies that are on HBO Max. But otherwise, I haven't really explored it too much beyond that. And you, V-Lord? Yeah, so I mainly got HBO Max because I'm a big fan of uh, J.G. Quintel, the creator of Regular Show. And his oh, uh, yeah. new show, Close Enough, is on HBO Max. Um, so I basically just got it for that. But I also wanted to like catch up on some old HBO shows that I never finished too. So like if you want the HBO content, I'd say it's worth that for that alone. Cause like if like if you have like say HBO now or something like that, you get HBO Max like for free with that. So there's no real additional cost. But uh, there are still a lot of problems. For one thing, the anime section is kind of terrible. Um I don't know what the heck's going on there, but like the selection of shows is very very strange. On the bright side, they do have ReZero, so they did one thing right. But otherwise, it's it's a bit underwhelming, especially once you go to like the Cartoon Network and like Adult Swim sections too. There isn't a lot there. There's only a select few shows from each network because apparently they're still licensing them out to other streaming services, hmm. which is weird. Yeah, that is actually. Oh, but they, mm, they are doing. I didn't like, know they had an. Things. I didn't know they had an anime section. Like I knew the big draw for HBO <laughs> Max for point. anime people. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. I didn't know. Like the big draw with HBO Max for anime fans was all the Ghibli movies. Yeah, so they have like the Ghibli section, but then they have the Crunchyroll section. Oh boy, what's the, the crunch- point? Like the Crunchyroll crunchy makes no sense either because it's like <laughs> just select hits from Crunchyroll. And there aren't even like the biggest shows from Crunchyroll. Like there, there were some really weird ones in there that I can't remember off the top of my head. But like it's it's not it it doesn't make much sense. Um they are adding a few other things soon. Like they're adding a few like movies from like G Kids, like Promare and Night of Shore Walking Girl. So, oh hell yeah. I love Promare. Yeah. They also added Weathering with You recently. So at least at least they're getting some good stuff. Hmm. But it's definitely lacking if you're looking for stuff outside of HBO content. Got you. All right. Well, I guess that is that is actually everything that we have for this episode. So let's start with some house cleaning. You can e- email us at tsunami pod or excuse me at podcast at tsunamifaithful.com. You can follow us on Facebook at tsunami faithful podcast and on Twitter tsunami podcast. You can listen to the podcast on just about everything including itunes google music spotify anchor probably like literally anything that has podcasts we are on it you can find every episode of the podcast to stream online at soundcloud.com slash tsunami faithful podcast and get the latest news by following tsunami news on twitter or you can also read our reviews articles on the website tsunami faithful.com and don't forget to subscribe to the Tanami Faithful Pass at patreon.com slash Faithful. I will be also posting once a month the unedited interviews that I conducted for the Tanami documentary, What Tanami Means to Me, because I had over 280 minutes of content and you only saw 90 minutes. So definitely might want to check those out as we start rolling those out uh, through the year. So uh, Lord, where can they find you on the interwebs? 
Yeah, people can find me on Twitter at VLORGTZ. And then I also occasionally write stuff for Tanami Faithful. And I also write manga and light level reviews for old-comic.com. So check those out as well. And then I also host three podcasts because I uh, like having no free time, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like CJ mentioned, I host the Demon Slayer podcast, which is on Twitter at DSlayer Podcast. Then I also recently started up a Shaman King podcast, Oversoul the Shaman King podcast, which is on Twitter at Shaman King Pod. And then I have an occasional podcast, which is just about general anime and manga called the Dumb Weebs podcast, which I do with our fellow writer, Laser Kid. And that's on Twitter at Dumb Weebs Pod. So go check out all those. That's a lot of things to check out, but I highly recommend it. V-Lord's a good follow, so definitely follow him to start, and then you can find all the other good stuff. Uh, Celia, where can the lovely listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter at Planet Twinkle and on my Facebook page, Celia Rose Cosplay. Um, also, I will be on the Tanami Faithful social media pages, so anytime you tag us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or comment on our posts, I will see it. Be nice to her, or I'll get the ban hammer out. I will ban people for her, so... I've done this too, actually. You don't want an angry CJ. You re- oh, no, no, no. Especially if you make someone that I work with upset. So, yes, you definitely don't want that. And you can find me on Twitter at CJ Maffris. Uh, I write reviews and editorials for TunamiFaithful.com. And please, please, please spare some time. Check out the latest Tsunami documentary that I did, uh, What Tsunami Means to Me. It was a labor of love, a love letter to not only Tsunami, but for the fans. And there were so many comments that I've received of like, 2020 was obviously a really tough year, but this was like the light at the end of the tunnel. This made my day. I wanted to cry. Like, it really meant a lot seeing the positive uh, feedback. So I really, really hope you can check that. And you can see those on our YouTube page at TunamiFaithful.com or excuse me, at TunamiFaithful on YouTube and Tsunami Faithful Official on our Facebook page. But that is it for this episode. And I really hope you enjoyed listening. Again, we'll have a rotation of hosts for at least a little bit until Sketch is kind of rested and gotten, you know, a little bit of a relaxation. Call it a little Sketchcation, right? You can only spread the Sketch so much before he, it gets a little thin. He, he is very thin. So <laughs> hopefully we will be able to, you know, pick up the slack while you know he rests so other than that thank you all for listening and we hope to hear you soon see you later